0: Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Russ Cordell. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. I have a word from the Lord this morning. I promise you it's a word from the Lord. It's going to be a word from the Lord all the way through because most of what is sitting on this platform is a lot of word from the Lord, from his scripture. But God has laid something on my heart that I think at this moment in time, at this place that the church in, is so critically important. It's something that we've gotta walk out of the building with today, locked in, shut down, completely attached to who and what we are if we're gonna continue to strive and thrive as Christians in this world as God carries us forward. Romans chapter six, starting at verse 12, you're very familiar with these scriptures, it says this. It says, let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body that you should obey it in the lusts thereof. I want to. Underst- I want you to understand again. The word lusts in that scripture does not necessarily have things to do with. Uh, amorousness and and physical um, interaction, uh, intimacy. It has to do with fulfilling just what you want to do in your flesh, just doing the things that you are doing exclusively for you outside of the will of God. uh, Verse 13 says, neither yield. I want you to pay attention to that word yield. Ye, your members, as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin. What members are those? Your mouth to say things that are wrong or to do things that are unpleasing to God. Your ears listening, in on things that you probably shouldn't uh, hear, eyes that can see and look into things that maybe we shouldn't be looking into, uh, yielding those members unto unrighteousness and unto sin. But yield, he says, yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law but under grace." Paul goes on to say God forbid, excuse me, he goes on to say what shall what then shall we sin because we're not under the law but under grace God forbid know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey his servants ye are to whom ye obey whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. In other words, if you yield yourselves as servants unto, this, unto sin, you're yielding that unto a spiritual death. If you yield yourselves unto the obedience of righteousness, you're yielding yourselves to life. But God be thanked that you were the servants of sin before. You were servants before. We all were. We were all sinning and short of the glory of God, but ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered to you. He's talking about when Christ was here and he laid down the doctrine, the doctrine that he gave and he taught the apostles, the the doctrine that he instilled in the heart of the apostle Paul, that doctrine that was delivered to you, being then made free from sin, ye became the servants of righteousness. You can be seated this morning, yielding what you yield yourselves You've heard me often refer again and again to what we're seeing in the world around us, the world right now, succumbing to just incredible things that we haven't seen before. Many of you are looking at your TV screens and your, and your computer screens and maybe your phones and you're seeing things you thought you would never see in the world, in a country that we live in, the United States of America things that are shocking us. This is new territory that we're entering. But folks, I wanna say that we're entering those areas. We're entering those areas as a church as well. And if it's out there, I promise you, the enemy wants it in here. The culture of the world is always standing at those doors and at those windows. I get an image of the enemy just standing right outside those windows, staring in, looking, I want to get this into this church. I'm not happy that this church exists. I'm happy when this church closes because of fear of diseases and other things. I'm happy when I can get the culture of the world into this place. And you can bet if it's out there, it's pushing to get in here. How does it get in here? It gets in here through me and through you. Subtly, simply, unawares. We're looking in a world full of lawlessness and unruliness and rejection of authority. That's what you're seeing everywhere. Everything that's happening out there right now is because for the last several decades, we have been teaching our society that authority does not matter. We've been teaching our children from very, very small children. We've been teaching our kids. We've been teaching our high schoolers. We teach ourselves. We listen to our television commercials and our movies and all of these entertainment things. And uh, you do you and I'll be me and this is my truth and just do it and just go for it. Be all you can be, do what you can do. It's all about you. It's all about taking care of you. You know that message from the 60s, it didn't stop. It just got changed and morphed and reworded all the way through today. We live in a world that is completely and utterly rejecting authority of every kind. Now, if you ask yourself and you look at yourself and and, and you you, you think about what you've seen out there, I know in your heart of hearts and in your gut, you've looked at those things and it makes you sick. Right? How How can they do that to police officers? How can they do that To to our federal buildings, how can they do this and how can they do that? This isn't a lesson about people, by the way. It's a lesson about that issue, about what's behind all of that, the spirit that's behind it. It makes you sick, it makes you angry. But I want to tell you that at some level in every single one of us, that spirit exists in us. You know why? Because we're flesh. And we operate in flesh. And if we're not careful succumbing to the pressures and to what we see out there, unawares that we'll slip into our behaviors. Come on now. Tell me you haven't at some point said, they're not gonna tell me what to do. He ain't my pastor. Right? I know the word of God. I've been around here longer. This new boss I got at work, I've been doing this job for 20 years. I know what I'm doing. Come on now. It's all crept in our minds at times. We're flesh. It's what the enemy wants. But that yielding that I was talking about, that Paul wrote to the book of uh, me, to the church at Rome. It's the essence of humility, is what we're talking about. The most powerful tool that you have in your arsenal as a Christian person is this one word, all of what I'm gonna talk about today settles on this one word. The most critical thing, the most critical characteristic I believe that we can have within us today It's an unfortunate thing that we have to have this. It's an unfortunate thing that but beyond the armor of God and beyond the fruit of the Spirit I preached about recently, this one thing that we must have if we're going to make it as Christians moving forward. Do you understand the weight that I'm putting on this one word? Is that incredibly critical? I'm telling you, God himself has laid this on my heart and said that if we don't have this one thing, if you don't perfect this one thing in you, all the other things are not gonna matter. And that one thing is simply this, it's submission. Submission is an absolutely critical element of who and what you are as Christians today and moving forward. I'm convinced of that, I will stand on that until the end of time. Submission effectively is humility in action. Why is humility so powerful? Why is submission so important? Humility is completely unassailable the devil the enemy cannot do anything with total and complete humility god again and again and again throughout scripture urges us to humble yourselves everybody out there right now is quoting second chronicles 7:14 if my people shall, who are called by my name shall do what shall humble themselves the enemy can't do anything with humility. But we're watching through our television screens and watching through our, our phones and so forth as we're watching the antithesis of that. People standing in the face of authority. This thin blue line. Do you know why that the police officers and law enforcement is called the thin blue line? Does anybody know that? There's an excellent qu- quote out there about it. But the thin blue line is that tiny, tiny little threshold that exists between order in absolute and utter and total chaos. And that thin blue line right now, that t- it's called the thin blue line because there's only a tiny fraction of the people of the United States of America that call themselves law enforcement. There's a very, very small percentage. There's 330 some million people in this country, but there's a tiny, thin blue line that's holding back utter and total chaos in this country. And it's fracturing before our eyes. It's succumbing to that spirit that's out there. But God's in control, and God knows. I was recently accosted over Facebook by someone I know, very distant from here, about the cowardice of the pastors and the ministers in our country today. Why aren't you standing up for this? Why aren't you doing more? Why aren't you stepping in as though I should pick up a firearm and show up at a a rally and maybe let off a couple of shots. Why aren't you doing more about this? You pastors, you Christians, you claim to protect this country, etc. And I came back and I said, try this idea. My job is to stand up for the word of God. I have one job and it's to seek and to save that which is lost. It's not my job to go defend, unless God calls me to, to go defend this nation to support that. It's my job to seek and to save that which is lost. It's my job to pray for my nation. It's my job to support and stand up for authority. It's my job to teach my church the true essence of what we need to be in this, in this community. And it's not warriors, not yet, not now. God has not called us to take up arms and defend. Folks, if, you're, if you need to defend your home, if you're under attack if personally in your vehicle, your family's in danger, absolutely. I'm not telling you not to defend yourself, and you do that how you're called to do that. I'm talking about this idea that we're supposed to take up arms and get involved in this conflict and fight and battle and rattle and fuss and yell and scream at one another. That's doing a lot of good right now, isn't it? No. Humility is unassailable. The enemy is powerless against it and it's the essence of what Christ brought to us. Submission is the beginning of perfecting our walk. You wouldn't be here if at some point in your life you didn't take some time and submit to the word and the spirit of God. Found yourself at an altar repenting of who and what you were prior and accepted what God gave you. That was submission. Your walk started with it, and it's powerful, and it's winning the hearts of people. You see, there's good people, like I mentioned recently, Victor Jackson, evangelist, who went down to the very place that George Floyd was killed and stood there and started a prayer rally and saw people being filled with the Holy Ghost in the very place that hatred and anger and death occurred. You see, that's what this pastor believes in. That's what this church is gonna be talking about. What can we do to overcome? I don't wanna pick up a firearm. this fellow that went down to, to, to Kenosha recently, I know in people's hearts and in their guts, they went, oh, that's awesome. I get it. I understand. It, he looks like a hero right now. He went down there and shot, but he killed two people. You understand? Well, uh, pastor, he, one of them was a pedo and the other one was a, was a violent you know, burglarist and all that stuff. Okay, do you know how many prison ministries we have in in, in prisons across this country? Do you know how many people come to God, repent of who and what they are in a prison ministry system because they need the opportunity to seek and to save that which is lost? These people are souls. I'm not happy that a young man went down to Kenosha and fired off a couple of shots and killed two people. I understand it's the tipping point is coming. There's a tipping point that's gonna come and this thing is gonna go the other way but we should be praying against that very thing to happen. We should be praying that the God of of this world is subdued and controlled and that somehow we as Christian people in our prayer and in our effective reaching out to people that we know can take hold of this spirit and talk about humility and submission to God. Folks, we can't get consumed in this. We can't get sucked up in all of this stuff. And I know this is, I sound like a broken record, but I'm telling you, this submission is so incredibly important. In the word, you'll find it's submission, it's subjection. As I said, it's yielding. It's an act of giving completely of yourself over to someone else. It's literally being Christ-like. If you're going to go down to one of these things, stand there and love these people. Speak to them. A still, small voice a soft voice turneth away wrath. Give them, feed them, offer them something. What would Jesus do? He stood on the cross. He hung there, nails in his feet and his hands bleeding from his back and a scourging and thorns stuck into his head. And what did he do? He looked at the very people that put him there and he said, Forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. Where's our heart? Have we submitted to the Word of God? Have we submitted to the, the right spirits? Is the key. Submission is not coercion, by the way. I want to talk about submission for a second in that idea. It's not some overruling of people. It's not, it's not an opportunity for people to use you as a doormat. Submission does not make you lesser than somebody. As a matter of fact, by the word of God, submission makes you greater. The act of submission is a voluntary act of humility to put others first. If there's anything that describes that old Christian description of Christ-like, it's Submission. Are we called to be Christ-like? In the words, submission is a powerful underlying theme throughout Scripture and really shows that by taking the step, thinking counterintuitively to what the flesh wants to do and surrendering your own needs and desires to others actually brings favor and power and blessing and personal strength from God. Think about that when you're counterintuitive to the spirit that's pressing against you out there. And believe me, this patriotism move and all of this stand up and fight and go get your guns and all of that kind of stuff, yeah, it sounds good and it's good. Hey, I love United States of America. I wanna protect this country. I don't want communists taking over. And like I said, when God calls us to arms, then we'll be called to arms. But you need to look to your leaders. You need to look to the man of God who's saying, listen, right now, this is not our call. This is not the purpose of the church. We can't get off track. We can't start hating people of other of other places and other backgrounds. We've got to be careful to submit to the word of God. Submission gives us strength that we must have to maintain our walk. Without submission, and hear me now. Without submission, we are effectively not Christians. You hear me? Without submission. We are effectively not Christians. The Bible tells us first and foremost, we've gotta submit to God. If you turn to James, and I'm gonna burn through some scriptures very quickly this morning. I've got a lot here. As I said, I'm coming from the Lord, and it's his word. James chapter four, starting at verse six. Listen to what the promises are. He says, but he giveth more grace. Wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the who? Unto the humble Here's the word, submit yourselves therefore to God resist the devil and he will flee from you. Now a lot of people put that into a position only of this place that I feel the devil's tempting me to do something wrong. The devil's put something in my mind to do. Resist him and he'll flee from you. But what I'm telling you today, the devil is knocking on your door and the door of every Christian, every person operating in flesh right now, he's knocking on your door and he wants you to have an attitude that's wrong. He wants you to pick up the spirit of this world. He wants that stuff swirling around inside the church, that anti Authority. I'm going to do it the way I want. I know the word of God. I've been studying it my whole life. I've been at this church longer than you, Cordell. I know more than you do. He, he wants that spirit operating in this church. And if we don't resist the devil, he's not going to flee from us. And I'm telling you right now, submit yourselves to God, humble yourselves before him and resist that garbage that the enemy's trying to portray in our church and in our church is. Verse eight says, draw nigh to God. Get close to him and he'll draw nigh to you. How do you do that? Prayer, talk to him. Be here at services if you can. Get involved with the ministries of the church. Look inside your heart and see what God's got for you to do for his kingdom. Let the United States of America take care of the United States of America. Let the politicians do what the politicians are going to do. Do your part as a civil servant. Do your part in voting for, for what you stand for and what this tells you. It should be right. Get all that stuff done, but search your heart for what you need to do right now for communities that are desperately needing hope in their lives, desperately needing a God and a Savior. What's your heart telling you about that? How fired up are you about that? What kind of a standard are you grabbing and walking around with in your neighborhood? Get a hold of that standard, the right one, that God wants us to have. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts. You double-minded, be afflicted and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he shall lift you up. Wow, that sounds like a depressing way to live as a Christian. I don't know if I want to get into all that. If that's what being a Christian is, just being mourning and weeping and sobbing, it's just for that season. Sorrow may last through the night, but joy comes in the morning. We've got to remember that the promises of God for submission and humility are so powerful. Look what Charles Spurgeon, the pastor of all pastors, the great Charles Spurgeon wrote this. He said, a lack of submission is no new or rare fault of mankind. This isn't a new invention of the BLM movement, by the way. Ever since the fall it has been the root of all sin, from the moment when our mother uh, Eve stretched out her hand to pluck the forbidden fruit and her husband joined her in setting up the human will against the divine, the sons of men have universally been guilty of a lack of conformity to the to the will of God. They chose their way, <clears throat> excuse me, their own way and will not submit their wills. They think their own thoughts and will not submit their understanding. They love earthly things and will not submit their affections. Man wants to be his own law and his own master. Charles Spurgeon wrote that over 100 years ago. Powerful. Look at Romans 12 and 1, another scripture you know very well. I beseech you, brethren, Paul writes to the Romans, I beseech you, I'm, I'm pleading with you, I'm pressing you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God that you present your bodies, a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, and be not conformed, Sister Robin, you spoke this scripture this morning, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Okay, there's a lot of stuff in there right now. Your body is a living sacrifice. There are things implicit, explicit in the word of God. The word just says these are things that you need to do to present yourselves a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. Anger, patriotism, self-righteousness, these aren't fruits of the Spirit not sacrifices they're not submissions it's easy you know what it's easy to get all fired up and 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 uh and self-righteous and patriotic that's easy to do anybody can do that anybody get on the side one side of political you can pick a side on anything think about it anything you can pick a side and stand up for it and make uh, I love people that are brand loyal about things they crack me up I bought a Ford everybody thinks I'm a Ford guy Oh, you're Ford guy, oh, those are garbage, blah, 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 blah. Chevy's the greatest thing in the world. Then you got the Chevy guys, and they're, oh no, Ford's garbage. Ford stands for found on road dead. <laughs> Fix or repair daily. We are so prone to get a hold of a side, to get a hold of a cause, to get a hold of something that's meaningful and, and has virtue and all of these great things. And we assign great levels of virtue to things to that to God. He sits back and he's laughing. What? This, what? 1 Peter, chapter 2. We're commended to serve and to submit to the laws of men. Oh, my. 1 Peter, chapter 2 and 13 says, Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake. Not a lot of that going on out there right now, is there? You speed coming to church today? Cliff did, I saw him. Yeah, he's, he's got a lead foot. <laughs> we all do it. We decide for ourselves, well, I know it says 35, but I'm going to do 50 anyway. We, do, we all do it, right? Come on, we're guilty. There's some spirit in all of us, like I said, that has always said, I'm going to do it my way. That ordinance doesn't mean anything to me until... And then suddenly, we're under subjection. Submit yourselves to every ordinance for man for the Lord's sake, whether it be to the king as supreme or unto governors or unto them that are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of them that do well. For so is the will of God, and that with well-doing ye may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. Folks, you have a testimony. If people know who you are and what you stand for and the name that you bear, you have a testimony. Tell you what, if you're caught breaking the ordinances of man, if you're caught and people see that in you and they see some of the things that that the flesh leads us to do, what kind of language do you use around people? What do you say? What are some of the things that you say? Do you talk about your neighbors? Are you susceptible to gossip? This is your testimony. These are the things that people see in you. They need to see you submitted to the word of God. Don't decide for yourself that it's okay. Don't justify in your mind. If you're at a place in life where your common words that come out of your mouth are, well, I think, well, I don't see, well, I don't have that conviction, maybe you need to submit to a higher authority. Let's be careful. Look how Paul writes to Titus how submission or subjection to authority ties into humility and Christian behavior. He extols the virtue of the salvation message, but he shows there are more critical elements beyond the initial salvation experience. And this is a trap that Christians fall into. They get their their salvation experience. They get in the club, right? Hey, I got it. I made it. I made it here. I'm so thankful. But that's where it ends. Sometimes, right? Let's read Titus chapter three. Start at verse one. Put them in mind, Paul tells Titus, to be subject to principalities and powers to obey magistrates. He's talking about rule makers, laws, governors and and, and the people that write laws. To be ready to every good work, to speak evil of no man. Does it mean to speak evil? Talk bad about them. Tear them down, criticize, hurt. Things that if you were saying it to their face would hurt them deeply. Speak evil of no man. To be not brawlers, but gentle. (laughs) Don't be a brawler. How about that? Don't go down to a rally and start punching and fighting people. You're not standing up for the word of God, and you're not giving yourself a good testimony but gentle, showing all meekness unto all men. For we ourselves also were sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving divers' lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. But after, what, after that, the kindness of the love of God, our Savior, towards man appeared. And we were all of those things. We had those issues, but there was a Savior that showed up on the scene and said, I've got something greater for you. I've got a greater purpose and a greater way if you just submit to me. Verse 5, not by works of righteousness, which we have done. Brother John Matson showed me this scripture, preached about it one time. It has changed my views on certain things. It has really opened my eyes to messages from God. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done. But according to his mercy, he saved us, how? By the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Ghost. You know, there's all this stuff out there about how all we're doing is works. We're worksing our way into heaven. We think if we do good works, we're saved. That's not what it's saying at all. As a matter of fact, Paul's saying to Titus, not about those, those, those righteous works. We've done those. That's all part of what you do as a Christian. But those separate steps, the regeneration uh, of the washing of the water, we need that baptism, the refilling of the Holy Ghost, which he shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. But look what he says going on in verse 7, that being justified by his grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. That's awesome. We're justified by his grace. This is a faithful saying, and these things I will, that thou affirm constantly, every day, all day, live them, that they which have believed in God, now listen to what it says, might be careful to maintain good works. We've got to be submitted to that process, maintaining those good works. These things are good and profitable unto men, but avoid foolish questions and genealogies and contentions and strivings about the law, for they are unprofitable and vain. We've got to submit ourselves to good works every day. Look what it says in 1 Peter regarding our elders and each other. 1 Peter chapter 5 Starting at verse 5 it says, Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you, be subject one to another and be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. We've got some great elders in our organization, our great elders right here in our church. Submit yourselves to them. I do all the time. And those in this room, you know who you are. I've been given good thoughts and good instruction. Caring words helps. I'm not too big just because I've been appointed the pastor of this church not to submit myself to an elder and say, I could use your advice. You've been looking out out for me forever. I I need some help on this one. We've got to be willing to do that. But let's look at the really fun, controversial one that we love to preach about all the time. In Ephesians chapter five. Ladies, you know where I'm going? Wives and husbands. Literally, this scripture, the antithesis of world culture right now. Now listen, and I'm gonna go through this carefully. Ephesians chapter five and 21. And I'm also gonna read through 25. I'm gonna read 28. I'm gonna read 32. I'm gonna skip a little bit because it's a long passage. But it says this. Again, here's that word. Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Now notice it says submitting yourselves one to another. It's an equal sharing of submission. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands. Oh, buddy, hold on. Hold a phone. We don't do that anymore. This is the United States of America, it's 21st century. We don't do the submission thing and that's because people have misaligned that verbiage and they've misaligned that thought process to say that it's man should be having submission, do the old you know Archie and Either thing and, and you know, get me a sandwich and, and all of that kind of stuff. That is not what God intended in that scripture. As a matter of fact, if you read on, it says submit yourselves unto your own husbands. In other words, it's not your job to go around submitting to every other man in the way that you submit to your husband. Be careful of that. As unto the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife. Oh my goodness, that, it cannot be right. That is the order of the Lord. That is the word of God. Submit to it, accept it, because there is great blessing, great bounty, there is joy in following the word of God in these principles, uh, wives submitting to your husbands, Uh, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church and he is the savior of the body. This is the order that God has defined. But listen how it goes on. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. That sounds terrible. The world today would read that in shriek. You antiquated, old-fashioned, out-of-context, Old Christian people have no clue what you're talking about. This is the order that God has laid. There is purpose and reason. Now listen to what it says in verse 25. Husbands, love your wives. Notice it didn't say wives love your husbands. It says submit. You know why? Because women are naturally left brain, emotional, heart feeling, passionate people. They naturally love. They're nurturing, loving people. God knows that. He didn't have to tell women to love. But men are cavemen. We're logical. We're fixers. We're hunters. We're gatherers. We're doers. So he had to tell men, love your wives, even as Christ loved the church. Do you know how Christ loved the church? He died for it. You tell me the women have the harder deal in this? To prove myself, I gotta die. She's just gotta submit. <laughs> it's like the ham and eggs thing for breakfast, right? The pig makes the real commitment. See, even as Christ loved the church, he gave himself for it. Husbands, you should be ready to die for your wife, literally, sacrifice everything unto death for your wife. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. So not only do you have to love like Jesus and be ready to die, but you better be loving her like you love yourself and take care of yourself and the things you do for yourself. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. This is a great mystery, agreed but i speak concerning christ in the church literally this level of submission is a model of the church and we have to understand that it's god's order it's completely counter to world culture right now when they lose when they lose uh, these these principles It's unfortunate. Fifty percent of divorces are marriages are ending in divorce. Infidelity is rampant in our world. Children coming from broken homes, not understanding the role of mother and father, bleeding into generation after generation. Why? Because they've lost the concept of the Word of God, the order that God has laid out to submit ourselves to this concept. I want to tell you something, and she's going to hate me for this, and I'm going to be in trouble. But your pastor's wife lives by this, and our home is a blessing. We've been together 28 years. She believes in this. She allows her husband to be the spiritual head of her household. She supports me. She prays for me. I believe that the miracles that we've seen in our family, the healings that we've had amongst our family, the things that have gone very well for us, the blessings that we have, are because I have a praying wife who's submitted to her husband and allows me to make decisions, allows me to work with her to run our household, and she prays fervently for our children. She does those things, and we have seen God bless us again and again and again because she lives by this principle and always has. You need to know that about your pastor's wife. Look at Paul again, writing to the Colossians. He just can't leave this alone. Colossians 3 and 18. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as it is fit in the Lord. Peter shows how the submission or subjection of wives to husbands can be the factor that saves a husband not in the faith. Look what he says in 1 Peter chapter three, starting at verse one. He says, likewise ye wives, be in subjection to your own husbands. Man, I know that it would just burn up people out there that heard this. They just would not deal with it. That's the part of the Bible I'm gonna take out. I don't like that part. If any obey not the word, he, she, he says the word, they also may without the word be won by conversation of the wives. In other words, if those husbands will not obey the word, but he sees her obeying the word and listens to her good conversations while they behold your chaste conversation coupled with fear. So in other words, you have the opportunity in your behavior and your subjection, and your submission that if your husband's not serving God, You can win them, and I I know there's testimonies even in this room, even amongst this church, women that prayed for their husbands for years. There's leaders, there's directors in our midst, and I know their testimony. The wife was here first and prayed for her husband. He was never gonna come. You guys know who I'm talking about. But God worked on him through her, through her subjection and her submission, and they have a wonderful marriage. They're a wonderful family. They're happy and they're content, and God is blessing them. See, that's the secret, submission. Now I'm gonna get to a real tough one. I'll be closing here shortly. Pastors and bosses, when I was preparing this message, I thought, how do you preach this? Mike, how do you preach this without seeming self-serving? And (laughs) you know, you can do what he said. But I take the charge very seriously that is attached to the role of the shepherd. And it's difficult. Like I said, I've only been in the role for 11 months. But if you think that things were different, were were completely the same from the day before I was installed and our district superintendent stood here and prayed over me and prayed an anointing on me, if you think I was the same after that as I was before, you are very mistaken. I didn't ask for this position. I never asked. I never asked God, I wanna be a pastor. I never got into all of that. What I did is I submitted to God. I submitted to his will. And I said, God, whatever you want me to do, I was asked to pray about my burden for abundant life. And I did that. And God put a call in my life, and the day that I stood here, and the general, super, excuse me, the district superintendent, prayed over my wife and I, and prayed an anointing upon us. Something happened inside of me that I did not expect. And God has put a burden in my life, and I put a burden on my heart for each one of you. And I think about and I pray about your children and your grandchildren. And you yourselves, I think about your marriages. I think about the people that have come to me that are struggling and have asked for counsel and God is doing a work in their lives. Those things came on me almost like a waterfall, like a fire hose that God has put on me. I wanna tell you, I'm very different in, in here. And I'm trying to do a good job at that and I take this charge very seriously. But look what Hebrew, the, the book of Hebrews says in chapter 13. We're gonna read two scriptures there. 13 and seven says, remember them which have the rule over you who have spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith follow, considering the end of their conversation. Consider them who speak over you. Brother Brother Booker, as he preached that day of my installation service, he preached about the voice of the shepherd. I know for some, for some, it's natural in this transition process. That ain't my pastor. He was the toilet paper and light bulb guy a couple years ago. I get it. But I want to tell you that regardless of your thoughts and what you think you know and what what God has done through the course of your time and how much more time you have than me and all of those different things, God has appointed me to this place. I take it incredibly seriously. I've got a long way to go to learn and to understand. But I seek him every day. 13 and 17 says, Obey them that have rule over you and submit yourselves. Why? Why? As they watch for your souls as they that must give account that they may do it with joy and not with grief for that is unprofitable for you see I have to give account for every single one of you and did I get up here and I, did I preach the word that God gave me to preach did I stand up for the principles of the word of God as he's given them did I do everything I could to make sure that you were going to be okay and I live that every single day. And it's not a heavy burden. It's a burden. It's not a heavy burden and it's one that I embrace. But you must understand that you have a pastor. You have someone that God deals with every single day and he's looking out for your soul. First Timothy 5 and 17 says, let the elders that rule well be counted worthy of double honor. See, Mike, that's what I was talking about. That sounds self-serving, doesn't it? <laughs> Let the elders that rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially they who labor in the word and doctrine. It's because we carry a burden for you. We carry a word for you. But see, it's hard in the world to submit to someone. It's not like it used to be. When I was coming up in the church in the early 80s, man, if pastor said it, we did it. Pastor would say, the doors are open. If you're not sick or dead, you're here. And if you didn't come, he called you and said, hey, where were you? And if pastor said, this is the way we're going to do it on the platform, that's the way we did it on the platform. And you didn't get an argument and you didn't get all this kind of, well, I don't see it that way and I'm not convicted that way. You sat down with the pastor and said, I'm struggling with this concept. Pastor, can you guide me through that? And can you help me to understand? You didn't just defy it, just decide for yourself, well, that part of the Bible isn't convenient for me. So I'm just going to go ahead and, and say, well, I'm not convicted of that or I don't understand it very well. Let's just leave it alone. We had a whole different thing that we we came up under in that time. That's gone. It's not, it doesn't exist like that anymore and I understand that. And this pastor treads very carefully in some of those areas, not because I'm not courageous and not because I don't love and care for you, but because I understand there's a different culture that we're working our way through. But you have to understand that God has put this in place for a reason. It's the same order. Like the order that he created for men and women, he created it for the church. And there have been a couple. There have been a couple that have said, Well, I can't, I can't operate under this pastor. I've got to move on. And that was done in thoughtfulness and humility and kind conversation, and that's okay. Look at these great calls to submission and humility in the Word, and I'm going to be closing with these last couple of scriptures Philippians chapter 2, starting at verse 3. I'm sorry if this is very heavy. And I told you it was a powerful word from God that he's given me and I needed to share it with you. We need to understand you need to be in a place of submission to the word of God, to the elders of God, to the pastor in your place, to one another as Christians, husbands to wives. Submission has to be a critical part of who and what you are every day. Philippians chapter two, starting at verse three, says this, let nothing be done through strife or vainglory. If you're doing it and then you're just doing it because you're doing it and it's making you angry, don't do it. And don't do it for vainglory either. Don't walk around and say, well, I'm super righteous. I do this particular thing that pastor says or I have this, so look at me. I've got this badge of honor. Don't do things out of strife and vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Look on the person next to you and say, you know what, Sister Tan, you are way better of a person than me. I know you're way better of a prayer warrior than I am. I know that. Look at that person next to you and say, I'm gonna esteem you better than myself. Look not at every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. In other words, care for what people are challenged with. Care for what others are going through. Your problems get really tiny and small when you take the magnifying glass off of you and put it on someone else, right? But every man also on the things of others, let his mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant. It's talking about God manifesting himself in the flesh as our savior. He took on himself the role of a servant. He could have become anything. He could have done it any way he wanted, but he took on the role of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And I just want to say this one thing as a pastor that doesn't lord me over you, doesn't raise me above anybody. As a matter of fact, my role is to be servant. My role is to serve you, to serve your needs, to esteem you higher than me. But there is a word that God's going to give me and it's my job to deliver it. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, And that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow of the things in heaven and the things in earth and the things under earth and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. See all these people, you watch your videos and you see the news shows and you look at your phone and you watch all that and and it builds up anger in you and frustration and you hate seeing what people are doing. But if you look at those things through the eyes of compassion, you know that no matter what happens, whether they find God somehow or not, where somebody reaches them with the word of God or a Victor Jackson prays them through to the Holy Ghost on the side of the road where George Floyd died or whatever may happen, you can know this and understand that at some point, whether they want to or not or whether they're willing, willing or not, they're gonna stand before him. They're gonna stand before a place of judgment and their knees will bow. They will bow to him. They will confess that He is Lord. You have to understand that. I just want to be in the place where I can help as many as I possibly can make the decision to do that now. See, I'd much rather do it now. Get on my knees before Jesus Christ, King of kings and Lord of lords. Profess Him always as my Lord, willingly, because when that day comes, it ain't going to be hard. And I guarantee you, I'll get it to it before He asks. Because when I'm there, I'm on my knees. Because I've practiced it my whole life. First Peter 3, 8 through 12 says this. It says, Finally, some of you are probably saying, Finally, finally, be ye all of one mind, having compassion one of another, love as brethren, be pitiful, be courteous, not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing, but contrary wise blessing, knowing that ye are thereunto called that you should inherit a blessing. In other words, if you do these things, just keep in mind you've got an inheritance waiting for you. You can forgo your pride. You can forgo a little bit of sacrifice. You can give up a couple of things that maybe you think are beneficial to you, but maybe you're figuring out, aren't pleasing to God. You can make those submissions to God because you've got an inheritance. This life is just a vapor compared to eternity. For he that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips that speak speak no guile let him eschew evil and do good. Let him seek peace and ensue it. For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous and his ears are open unto their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. And all that's simply saying is that if you want to love life, if you want to see good days, hold back. Those things that the devil wants to do in your flesh, that the enemy wants to create in you, what the culture of the world wants to raise up in you. Push that stuff back. How do you do it? Submission. You do it through submission. Submitting to one another. Submitting to your husband and to your wife. Submitting to your pastor. Submitting to the authority of the word. That's how you do it. That's how you win. That's the promise of the good life. And when this vapor disappears, and we're standing before the King of kings and the Lord of lords, He can look at you and say, thou good and faithful servant. Here's glory. Go on in. You can stand with me today. I'm gonna close now, officially. I'm gonna share with you some great words from an evangelist named Josh Herring. This is an instruction. This is what he lives by and I'm sharing it with you today and I am recommending it highly and I try to remember to do this every single day in my morning devotion. Number one, submit yourself to the word of God. All of it. Every explicit word, every implicit understanding, the principles and the precepts, line upon line, precept upon recept. Precept. Submit yourself to the word of God. number two, This is every morning now, when you get up in the morning, he says these out loud. He reads them off every day, they're memorized now. He reads them off, God, I submit myself to your word. And then he says, God, I submit myself to the name of Jesus and I'm ready to use it. I submit myself to the blood of Jesus, the power of the blood. And you know that we can plead the blood, we can minister to people through the message of the blood. He says, I submit myself to the Holy Ghost. I submit myself, God, to your angels because I know that I'm just a little lower than them and the angels have power. I submit myself to the will of God. If God urges me, God puts something in my path, directs me, wants me to do something, I'm gonna do it and I'm not gonna resist him. And finally, he says, submit yourself to the man of God in your life because his job is to watch out for you. And watch out for your soul. And then finally, he says, I pray a prayer of forgiveness before I'm ever wronged. I pray it in advance. He says, I know it'll happen sometime today. Someone will disappoint me. Someone will upset me. Someone will hurt me. Someone will do something I don't like. And he says, I pray a prayer of forgiveness for whoever that may be so that when that arrives and that moment arrives, That root of bitterness can't start. My words won't come out wrong. I won't sin before God and say something or do something I shouldn't do. That I will not fail God. That I will not disappoint Him. So He starts His day out with forgiveness before the enemy can create a problem. So I submit to you today, put this in your life. Add submission to who and what you are first and foremost in all of these areas. I read you from the Word of God. This isn't... The word of Cordell, this isn't my opinion. This isn't something I've mistranslated or miscommunicated. It's not the way I saw it in the word of God. This is the word of God. You must live a life of submission moving forward. In Jesus' name, Lord, I'm so very thankful, God, for your word. But I know that sometimes we're so challenged in our flesh, we feel like we're doing right, and we feel like we're on the right track, but we find out we've got to learn new things, and we We find out we've got more to do. But God, I believe that if you continue to work with us, continue to guide and lead us, Lord Jesus, we can perfect, we can... Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262-965-5177